0: This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer for a Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, joined on the line by John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation. Hello, John. Good afternoon. Great to be back, Sterling. It's good to talk to you again. It's been a few while, a few weeks, actually, since you and I have had a chance to have a chat about real estate around Greater Vancouver. What's the status lately, John? Uh, bring us all up to date. We've seen some interesting numbers, uh, but we're a little confused by them. Which? What's going on? What direction is the market going these days? Or are we kind of static?
1: Great question. I mean, as you mentioned, there are a lot of different statistics floating around, uh, you know, local statistics, national statistics. This is the big question. What is the market doing? Because Mm -hmm. we've seen, you know, in my, this is my 24th year in the business, I've never seen changes happen so quickly and so drastically, and then perhaps even turn around uh, so quickly. So, uh, you know, personally, I had a very slow March and April. Um, obviously, a lot of people said, hey, real estate market's not for me. I don't want to go in someone's home. Sure. I don't want people in my home. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, real estate is, is, is a pretty attractive uh, proposition in greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. And, you know, we talked about how it's hard to keep a good market like this down. And, and when the May statistics came out, we saw quite a bump. And I personally, anecdotally, saw my business suddenly take off again. So, I can tell you that um, you know, the sales numbers are down. The most recent stats we have for May suggest that uh, they're still 44% down from May of last year. Okay. And 54% below the 10 year average for the month of May.
0: Well, as I recall, last year you and I were having these conversations on these airwaves, and last May wasn't a big screaming deal either, John. It wasn't, no.
1: And so to be down below those numbers, um, you know, suggests that the, the market is still, has still not rebounded in terms of activity that we would normally see this time of year. Right. But there is a bit of a silver lining, and that is, even though the uh, number of sales is down, meaning fewer buyers committing to purchases, the number of listings is also down by the same amount. So the ratios really have not, have not changed, and that has resulted in home prices have remained, you know, they've remained quite steady. Nothing has really changed uh, in terms of average prices, but may also, again, the silver lining is that there are fewer buyers. But it seems that those people out there are serious. There, I think we weeded a lot of the tire kickers out. Mm-hmm. People who are maybe thinking uh, this, maybe that, and it doesn't seem to take as many viewings. We're not getting as many viewings on average for our listings. But uh, I'm finding that the people out there are quite serious and they're prepared to buy. And it's resulted in, I mean, I've had a, a, a quite a busy few weeks and I'm seeing the market definitely come back in terms of activity and, and uh, interest on the part of buyers. And I'm going to think that soon we're also going to see more listings hit the market. So it's probably a gradual return as people get more comfortable uh, heading out of their homes. And- sure. You know, but, um, yeah, I'm seeing a definite turnaround.
0: So, John, let's talk a little bit about uh, those those two months, those really awful months of March and April that uh, basically we were locked down. Uh, and I know that circumstances, people still lose their jobs or get transferred to other markets or, you know, life goes on and uh, the need for housing never stops. But we've had a, to- a time of lockdown during which people, I think, John, had a lot of time to reflect make decisions, uh, watch things go by, uh, and and generally take stock of life having more time to do just that than perhaps they'd even counted on. And as a result of that, you're starting to see, and you've used the word, serious buyers. Now, these are people who have spent the last two plus months sitting quietly somewhere, mostly by themselves, going, you know, when we finally get out of this phase, it's really time to move on. It's we in firming up those plans over the last couple of months. So serious buyers, uh, and the inventory level is still approximately the same as it was before the pandemic began, isn't it?
1: Yeah, the rate. Like I say, the ratios are the same. Fewer sellers, fewer listings, which leads to you know no changes in prices, really, because it's a supply and demand business. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right that people are starting to jump back into the market, and we're seeing. You know, right now it's early, but it's very, very positive in terms of people starting to have a little bit less fear and understanding that, you know, hey, I've got my life to carry on with. Uh, You know, I liken it to being in a trench maybe, and eventually you have to poke your head up and decide to, you know, to, to take a look around and move forward. And I think that that's the stage we're in right now when it comes to real estate.
0: Sure, and by way of reassurance to those people who have spent some time contemplating their next big move, and of course, when you're talking housing in Greater Vancouver, John, you're talking big bucks no matter what your choice may be. So for anyone who's been sitting around reflecting, contemplating, and maybe doing a little planning, and now they're ready to dip a toe in the pool, so to speak, talk about the experience that a potential buyer goes through these days in terms of viewing properties uh, and, and all of that sort of thing because protocols have changed, and some people are still unaware of those details. Absolutely. I mean, as as businesses in general get back to
1: business in British Columbia, uh, you know, we all have a responsibility, in my opinion, to, you know, to make sure we manage things carefully and we, we manage risk carefully. So mm-hmm. uh, home buyers, it, it's a different process than it was six months ago, for instance. Uh, when I have a listing, or for instance, when I'm working with some buyers, my listings will be the same. Um, oftentimes, a seller's agent will send me a little questionnaire, and in fact, Korea, uh, the Canadian Real Estate, Real Estate Association, has published a little questionnaire for this purpose that basically asks an agent and the buyers to commit to uh, maybe limiting the number of people in a house. So if I show a house, it's generally I'll take the husband and the wife if it's a family, but the kids stay home. Mm-hmm, right, there's sure. no need to bring them through. Yep. Um, the, the questionnaire asks, has anyone had any symptoms of illness lately? Has anyone traveled outside the country in the last 14 days? all these sorts of things and Mm -hmm. then we sign on and i put my email address and my phone number there because if heaven forbid there ever was a case where covid was discovered they can trace back who's been in the house sure and this gives sellers a little bit of comfort as well to know that hey the people that are coming through my house They're going to have masks. This is something that's asked by a lot of sellers. Uh, Gloves, not as much. People tend to go more for the hand sanitizer now, but they want these sorts of things. And they want to make sure people coming in their house don't touch too much. We leave all the lights on for a showing. We tell the seller, the buyer's agent, you know what, just don't even touch the lights. Leave them on when you go. We avoid the physical contact. And then even prior to the viewing, I mean, I'm making sure I map out all of my listings with a 3D mapping system so that people can virtually walk through it first. Right. Because if there's issues there that would prevent someone from going forward, at least we find out before they set foot in the door. So we're trying to screen people for for health and for activity and uh, to make sure they're qualified. But overall, I mean, once people get in a house and they're pre-qualified, interest rates are low. Like you said, a lot of uh, potential buyers have been waiting. I have clients who are expecting their first child and they were really ready to go in March to make a move but then they thought oh gee this isn't the right time mm-hmm, sure now they're back in so you know things have changed but at the core, they're still the same. People are looking for the proper accommodations to make the right investments for their family, and I think they need you know, help from the professionals to make sure it's done safely, and they have a good roadmap on how to go forward.
0: Well, that's a good explanation. Thanks for that, John, because people, again, uh, contemplating uh, the big next move, whichever that may be, uh, there are a lot of details to, to take into consideration, not the least of which is is the whole experience of being the buyer or the seller and having strangers in your place, uh, which is a little spooky, on, on On a good day, but in these uh, times, you really do want to be reassured that the professionals involved are keeping a sharp watch and supervising everything capably. John, let's talk about prices for a second because you say, you know, volumes are up a little bit this month of May uh, over last May, but neither Mays were anything really in terms of record-breaking things to write home about. But how about prices from last May to this year, for example? Any big drops or increases between the two?
1: Well, we went through a little bit of a trough last year, and it kind of picked up again in September, and I've, I would say prices, again, I haven't checked this prior to this uh, interview, but I think that prices are a little bit higher this May than they were last May, okay. due to the increase we had towards the end of last year. Uh, and, but when I look at the sales uh, to active listing ratios, this is really at the heart of pricing. Um, buyer's market territory, which generally means prices are, are on the decline and sellers have to be very competitive to attract buyers, mm-hmm. generally happens when the sales to active listing ratio dips below 12% and it stays there for a period of six months. In other words, hey, there's lots of listings, there's fewer buyers and buyers kind of have the upper hand and you let that go on for a while and sellers have to get a little more motivated and a little sharper to attract
0: the buyers. We've got to find that smart that point, right, John? What's that? The, sh- the sellers, in, under those circumstances you've just identified, have to work a little harder to find the all-important smart point, don't they? Thank you. Correct.
1: Yes. Uh, But our sales to active ratio, you know, are right now in greater Vancouver, depending on segments between 14 and 19%. So it's pretty, again, it's a pretty healthy market and interest rates, as you may have uh, heard recently, have dropped to all time lows, um, you know, for some borrowers. So there are good uh, current reasons for people to get in the market to buy and sell and uh, again, that's why we're seeing sort of a, a gradual return to the market for both buyers and sellers, and the numbers are starting to pick up, and I hope that continues.
0: Yeah, 604-612-0080. Again, 604-612-0080 is John Carlson's direct line. And John, you said, uh, mentioned earlier, your phone's been busy for the last couple of weeks, a little quiet in April and May, a little uh, March and April, rather, but it started to get active again, and so have you, starting to wear out those shoes again. And it's all... Oh, good. So what are people calling you about, Mr. Carlson? What sort of properties are in demand or uh, garnering the most attention these days? You know, I'm finding uh, that, you know, I'm
1: fortunate because I've been in the business a while and I have a lot of past clients and, and referrals and that sort of thing. So my business, you know, took a little bit of, well, took a hit for a couple of months, but I'm right back to pretty much pre-COVID levels in terms of activity, or at least very close. And I find that it's Really, uh, I think the hot segments of the market, depending, you know, you could be in Langley, you could be in Vancouver, uh, Surrey, Maple Ridge, anywhere. This is this is pretty much true. The hot segments tend to be those segments where there are a large pool of ready and able buyers, and that usually translates into the affordable segment. Okay. So, for instance, um, affordability varies depending on where you're at, but um, I have a listing, just took a listing out on uh, Parker Street in East Vancouver we had five offers on that property uh, last Monday night. Um, People were not throwing huge amounts over list price, but the buyers were there in a market where the inventory was somewhat uh, uh, limited. And, uh, you know, people are jumping at that. Uh, Other areas that are hot, I found that Affordable townhomes and row homes in Langley. I'm looking sort of in the eight hundred thousand dollar range. Mm-hmm. I've got some clients looking there, and uh, you know we're finding that hey, three four days on the market, some of these places are sold. So that leads me to believe that these are places where a seller could do well. Um, I had a place in Port Moody uh, in a really great uh, complex, East Hill development. This time of year, there'd usually be half a dozen listings. Well, we were the only listing, and uh-huh. was in the six hundred and fifty range. That was another listing that uh, was very, very quick and it's not firm yet, but there's a sale that's about to happen. So, again, affordable segments where we have a pool of buyers that, you know, with regular incomes that can afford to make these purchases these buyers returning to the market again are finding that the inventory has not blossomed the way it might in usual years, typical years. And so the choices are somewhat limited and the ratios are there and sellers are doing quite well.
0: Just a minute to go before the news break, John Carlson, but give me your thoughts, if you can, in this limited time about this uh, supposed move to the burbs. Uh, One thing that pandemic has told some city dwellers that uh, living in a little box on the 23rd floor, uh, taking elevators and doing all of that close- close, close stuff with lots and lots of other housemates, so to speak, in a condo, uh, is maybe not the most desirable environment for some. And sociologists are saying, you know, there could be a bit of a, a bit of an exodus to the suburbs. Are you hearing or seeing any indication of that yet?
1: I haven't personally seen any indication of that. And I can see that in these times that, that you know, people might look at that and, 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 and that's probably true. Some people are rethinking their, their choices. But there are a lot of other factors that go into where people live, including affordability and transportation and these sorts of things. So I think I'll have to wait and see on that. Um, um, who knows what the future may hold but yeah I think some people might start to think hey maybe I should get a little bit more space for myself. Yeah it
0: could be be. a trend whose time has yet to arrive in our little corner of the world. John Carlson from 2% Realty West Coast back with us on Vancouver Consumer if you want to reach him don't forget the number 604-612-0080 John the CMHC just recently released a report. They're all concerned of course as they should be because they run with taxpayer dollars. They're all Concerned about risk management, among other things, uh, they've moved the goalposts with respect to down payment realities uh, and uh, uh, other moves recently, and and published a report as well. Did you have a look at it? And what was your general impression and reaction to uh, what the CMHC had for Canadians recently?
1: Oh yeah, of course I've looked at it, and there's there's lots to look at there. There's lots to talk about there. Uh, but you know, for those listeners who might not be aware, the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation is an underwriter of insurance of mortgages. Mm-hmm. So they're insuring uh, high high ratio financing, and they've been a big part in allowing you know buyers to get in the market, obviously with five percent down, ten percent down, that sort of thing. And basically, CMHC came out with a report uh, almost a month ago now that called for a drop in Canadian house prices of 15 to 18 percent across the board. Right. Now, you know, I've, you know, met and talked with a lot of people about this report, and some are suggesting that the baseline statistics that they're using might not be based on the HPI index, and there's some complications there. So, how valid these forecasts are, nobody ever knows. But I think what the gist of this is is that the insurer of residential mortgages, the main one, CMHC, uh, is, like you said, they're looking at risk management. They are limiting the debt service ratios. So if I make a certain amount of money, they're going to say, hey, you can't spend any more than a certain percentage of that income that you have. We're bringing that down a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, They want to look at credit scores. If I don't have uh, stellar credit, it might be harder for me to get a mortgage. Uh, They've changed that base point a little bit to, 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 to limit people who might be a little bit riskier. And they're also looking at down payment requirements and maybe increasing those. And those, you know, that would have an effect on the market. But also about a week ago, Genworth, who is another insurer of residential mortgages, has come out and said that they're not going to be increasing eligibility restrictions at this time. Uh, And they are a little bit more positive about the uh, future outlook of the market. But I think what this really, really says and what's behind this is that the Canadian economy, uh, British Columbian economy, the economy locally, is going to be facing some challenges. As we all know, businesses, some of them are going out of business and employment, uh, unemployment stats are going up and uh, government spending is, is way up and that may change taxation. And I think that banks and lenders are looking at a forecast. I haven't seen it hit yet, but somewhere down the road, there are some clouds in the horizon. Yes. And uh, I think that the lenders are preparing for that. So some people are saying, hey, maybe I should get in the market now my job is secure. Interest rates have hit an all-time low, and I want to buy now. Other people are looking and saying, hey, maybe I'll wait and see what happens.
0: Yeah, these price corrections that the CMHC was talking about. Now, typically when the CMHC makes a report about national housing issues across Canada, John, the report usually begins with, with the exception of the greater Toronto area and metro Vancouver, da-da-da-da-da-da, and they talk about housing prices and the flow of sales and all the rest of it across the entire entire rest of the country, excluding Toronto and Vancouver, given that we're just Weird enough that we warrant exclusion from a lot of these uh, charts and predictions. However, I noticed this time around, Toronto and Vancouver did not uh, get excluded from anything. We're included in this uh, to the tune of some price corrections on the downward side, which is why I asked you earlier in the hour about prices compared, for example, from this May to last May. And you're saying not a whole lot of change there at all statistically there
1: hasn't been any change really in that but let's keep in mind that it takes a sustained period of time of lower demand and higher supply for prices to come down and we just haven't had that time the market in march and april i see it as like a pause it's not like the market died yeah it was just simply put on pause very few buyers very few listings and now we're having a delayed spring and people are jumping back into the market so back to the cmhc uh you know report uh, a nationwide report calling for house prices to drop and that makes sense to me if people don't have jobs, uh, if their businesses are in trouble and financial hardships are, are, you know, are hitting across the country. If that's coming down the way, then that can only have one effect on house prices, and that's to bring them down. Right. But I would argue that you know, Greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley, locally here in particular, what a robust market. 2007, we bounced back almost unscathed after a short period of time. A lot of demand, a lot of uh, you know, influx of new people coming to the area. And if any area is uh, set to co- sort of buck that trend, I think it would be our local area here. So it remains to be seen. Right now, the market's very solid. Um, we're going to wait and see what happens maybe six months down the road if these financial hardships start to hit companies and individuals we may find that, you know, demand to buy or ability to pay the prices uh, is diminished and that could bring the market down. So I'm going to wait and see on that one, but those clouds are definitely on the horizon.
0: Yeah, let me quote something from your website, John, from johnnysmartpoint.com. A property that shows well, that is priced right, and that is marketed professionally will sell, regardless of who's listing it and regardless of how much commission the seller has agreed to pay. Buyers don't care whose name is on the lawn sign or whose smiling faces beside the Realtor.ca listing. Buyers only care about whether the property they're considering purchasing fits their criteria and their budget. This is intuitively obvious. From johnnysmartpoint.com, it's been on the website for a long time, John. You save buyers money because of your commission structure. But really, I think the bottom line is that's a bonus as far as the buyers are concerned. They want that dream home don't they
1: well yes buyers are comparison shoppers and it comes when it comes to my listings i save people money compared to the majority of my competition not all commissions there's there's no standard rate but you know seven percent of the first hundred thousand two and a half percent has been the the most common by far business model out there for many many years and uh, i save based on that compared to that structure i save people usually about 30 or 40 percent real money of commissions. so yes there's that but to answer your, your other question, um, you know, buyers are comparison shoppers, and buyers don't care, again, who's, who the listing agent is. They want to get the best house they can that suits them for the best price and terms that they can find. And, you know, we're all comparison shoppers, whether we're buying a house, a car, a pair of shoes. So my job as a listing agent, of course, the, the sellers care whose name is on the sign and who's representing them because they want to have good representation. They want good pricing. That's uh, true advice they want to know how to proceed with showings they want to know how to deal with multiple offer situations if they arise or how to negotiate a low ball offer up or how to just basically how to handle the whole process from beginning to end so it's very important as a, as as a seller that you have a listing agent who is experienced and, and able to give you those good advice so you can maximize the sale but when it comes to the buyers Hey, it's all about them and it should be. They want to find the best thing they can.
0: Let's uh, let's uh, take a moment here and uh, let's hear from Brian in Surrey, who is one of those sellers assisted quite capably recently by John Carlson.
2: John is an absolute professional. He knows his business. He put us at ease. He And, you know, with all this COVID-19 going on, he was you know, careful, and he really put us at ease and handled the whole thing just wonderful. You know, I've dealt with with realtors before, and, you know, most of the time, they, you know, everybody's good and they work their hardest, but uh, I think with that trying time that we were going through, for him to, you know, make a sale as quickly as he did it just shows you what kind of a person he is and how professional he is. He came through with everything he promised, and my mom's 89, and she had to go into a home, and so she needs that money to to pay for the home. So he he did what he said he was going to do, and it was awesome. It was really a pleasure to do business with him, and I would absolutely pass his name on to anybody that uh, needs a realtor. There's no doubt about it.
0: And there's Brian in Syria. It's a pretty Nice testimonial, John. And as I recall from previous uh, testimonials from previous clients, that's not the first time in which you've helped a people sell the home of a parent so that the parent can execute the plan to move on to that care home without a care in the world in terms of how it's going to get paid for. And you were able to expedite that whole thing for Brian and his family recently.
1: Well, yes, first of all thank you brian I've, i I just heard the testimonial, and uh, what a great testimony I thank you very much um, working uh, you know for Brian and his family, um, and his mother you know it was really an honor. I could tell that this was very, very important. Um, I met uh, his mother, and she needs support now to to live, and she can 't be on her own and mm-hmm. The family was very, very supportive working with them they were a you know a solid team unit i mean they were all on the same page. So um, it was a little bit challenging at first because she was selling a townhouse that was geared to 55 and over uh, buyers. And, you know, that segment of the market, I think, was maybe particularly careful with the COVID thing. So the sale, you know, it was was a little bit slow at first, but then we found the right buyer and um, we negotiated the right price and we got the right terms and that deal is concluded. And uh, Brian, I just want to say thank you to you and your mother, your entire family, uh, for having me work for you. And it's great to hear that kind of that kind of support.
0: Yeah, and thanks for joining us on on the radio today as well, Brian. We appreciate that, John. Back to your point about the forecast from CMHC regarding some correction, to use a banker's term, uh, in prices, some downward pressure on real estate prices. If you are currently, after months of contemplation, at the point where, yeah, you know, we're probably pretty ready to. See uh, is this a good time, uh, given the fact that that the, the corrections are on the horizon uh, to, to list, or are you risking buyers going, well, you know prices are going to come off so we don 't need to pay attention to that we 'll come back in two or three months what 's the story there
1: again it 's all down to the ratios right now, there are enough buyers in some of these segments to gobble up the inventory that 's there, and there have been no problems. What happens down the road is another story, so when people ask me, is this a good time? you know, I think compared to what? Compared to two months ago? Compared to six months down the road? I can tell you right now, though, that if people are thinking there may be some economic clouds in the future and that real estate prices may go down, if you're thinking of selling, right now is not a bad time at all because the market is there. People have been somewhat frustrated, Mm -hmm. getting a little impatient, and lives go on, and kids are born, and jobs change, and marital situations change, and people say, hey, I need to buy, I need to sell. They waited, and now they're jumping back in. So it's almost like June to me is almost like uh, like March should have been, um, and I can tell you that a lot of segments of the market are very active, so yes it 's a good time to sell if it fits your personal situation. But what happens down the road is is really hard to tell. there are clouds in the forecast, as i 've said there mm-hmm. are. Uh, potential economic challenges coming. But on the other hand, it's very hard to bet against real estate in greater Vancouver.
0: Absolutely. Now, given that, let's take a look at the uh, the roster on the Carlson uh, real estate availability side of things. Got any new listings for us this weekend, John?
1: Oh boy. You know, I've got a whole bunch of sales in process and we can talk about those in a couple of weeks when I'm back. Um, but yeah, I've got a new listing. Here's something interesting. In Mission, this is a half duplex. So you've got no strata fees. You've got you know, no rules and regulations and bylaws. This is a three-bedroom-plus den. It's about 1,300 square feet with a private yard. Four hundred and nineteen nine. It just hit the market a couple of days ago. So for people who want to kind of live and be the captain of their own ship without a bunch of strata to worry about, mm-hmm. this is a great little spot for a first-time family. I also just listed a fifth-floor apartment in Willoughby Heights in a, in a fantastic development. It's a one-bedroom and den condo at four dollars And I've got a new listing at 1733 Pitt River Road that's eight dollars Basement house, lane access, uh, potential for a basement suite downstairs, three bedrooms up. These are listings that are brand new and we're already getting uh, really good activity on them. So anybody can go to my, my website if they want, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com, and, and take a look at the 3D mapping of these homes and get the details and then give me a call if they have interest.
0: That's right. I'm looking at uh, the bottom of the uh, of home page at johnnysmartpoint.com with some listings, uh, Langley, North Surrey, et cetera, and, and plus the ones you've just described. And then there's that little green button, see all listings. And if you click on that, it gives you the big picture as to what uh, John Carlson is managing these days. And then- then you pick up the phone and you give them a call. The number to call is 604-612-0080. Again, 604-612-0080. All that information, in case you're driving you and didn't get a chance to drive, write it down, is available on the website, johnnysmartpoint.com. John Carlson, a real pleasure. It's been a while. Uh, have a great week. Thank you, Sterling. Great to talk to you again. See you soon. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to John Carlson from 2% Realty West Coast for a very informative visit. Time now for Ask Andrew. And today, our producer, Andrew Ferreira, has a look at... Problems with the Richmond Night Market. What's up, Andrew?
3: Yeah, so as, as we know, the Richmond Night Market is obviously not going ahead. It's one of the largest outdoor events uh, in North America in terms of, of something like its kind. Sure. And usually it runs from around mid-May till about like a couple weeks before Halloween is usually when it ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, how it works, though, is a vendor will, the year before... Put the money down to reserve a spot. To pay for, you know, uh, all the equipment they need to get everything together that they need. There's administration fee. There's deposit fees. There's lots of money involved in, in getting a spot at the night market in, sure. in Richmond. It's a coveted spot. And there's only about 250 spots, and you can bet that businesses around the Lower Mainland uh, scramble to try and get their wares for sale there. Mm-hmm. However, there's been some problems with the fact that the fact that it's it is now June. You know, it is June the 13th today. Mm-hmm. Uh, this should have started, you know, a month ago, and there's still no word as to what's happening. A lot of the vendors are kind of in the lurch. They've put their money towards this, but they don't know if they're actually going to have something to do. And that's causing a lot of friction here because for a lot of people, the night market makes up a lot of their of their revenue. Sure. A lot of money comes in, and if they've spent lots of money going into it, and they don't really know what's happening right now, that's a, that's a cause for concern. So as, as, as the clock you know, winds towards the end of June, there's a lot of vendors, there's a lot of small businesses going, well, we put in thousands of dollars here, What's going to happen to it? That's
0: right. Lots of money out so far. Not a dime back in. Uh, It's not quite panic time, but it's getting close. And you're right. You know, the opening date was supposed to be May the 8th. So we're a little beyond the opening. Thanks. Uh, Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. ICBC is resuming on-road testing for commercial licenses, but drivers waiting for passenger vehicle tests got to wait a little bit longer. ICBC saying commercial road tests resume next week. Appointments already can be booked. Uh, Tests for drivers looking for uh, endorsements ranging from a Class 1, that's the semi-trailer class, to a Class 4, which covers school buses ambulances, taxis, limousines, and ride-hailing companies. ICBC says the decision about tests for other license types, including Class 5, that's passenger vehicles, depends on the effectiveness of the first phase of testing and access to enough protective gear. Examiners will use a combination of masks, shields, goggles, gloves, and disposable seat covers when doing the tests. Now, those taking the tests will be asked uh, several health questions and must wear a supply medical-grade mask during the test. ICBC suspended all road tests way back on March 17th because of the pandemic. So gradually, uh, they're reintegrating testing. But if you're just looking for your old uh, L or N type driver's license to get into the game, you're going to have to wait a little longer. One of those ride-hailing companies, Lyft, this week announced its health and safety program aimed at reassuring passengers to use its service. The focus is on Lyft drivers having to self-certify That they will follow the rules set out by the company. Before using Lyft, every rider and driver will be required to self-certify. They'll wear face masks or coverings through the ride. They're symptom-free. And they'll follow local health official guidance uh, related to COVID-19. The Cars will be sanitized regularly. Windows will be left open when possible. And riders will not use the front seat. Both drivers and passengers will wear masks. Anyone who doesn't agree with the personal health certification will be be unable to request a ride or even drive with Lyft, says the company. Quote, additionally, Lyft will provide face coverings in Vancouver at no cost to drivers. Providing face coverings follows Lyft's previous distribution of sanitizing products and other cleaning supplies. The word is out, if you want to take a Lyft, it's okay. They'll be uh, observing all of the protocols. And that is our program for today. Manny Pazunas returns next Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox. Uh, Thanks to Andrew Ferrell. And thank you for listening. The news is next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.